reading from the book of John 1, 1 to 14. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory and glory as of one, as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. The Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Good evening, everyone. Uh, Merry Christmas, Emmanuel. Um, it's great to be able to gather with you on Zoom. Would have been so wonderful to be in person, but um, it's great to be able to see you all and um, and on this, on this evening, as we gather, we get to remember and celebrate um, the very deepest possible connection uh, that we can ever enjoy, which is the connection between uh, God and us in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what we get to, all the readings are about and all the songs are about. And so thank you so much for joining us and everyone uh, joining in and uh, sharing gifts together from one part of the country to another. So friends, let's, let's pray together as we consider God's word. Father in heaven, we pray that you will give us insight and into the magnificence of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And Father, will you make it vividly real to us in particularly the way that we need to hear it. Grant us to hear it again and ever more deeply. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, a few months ago, I was uh, reading a book by C.S. Lewis. Actually, I was listening to a book. Uh, it, was, it was on Audible, uh, which is one of my favorite ways to listen to a book and to uh, uh, receive a book. And C.S. Lewis was talking about a portion of, of his life before he was a Christian, but after he had come to believe, uh, at least theoretically, 
in some kind of divine being. And in that portion of his life, he said this, he said, um, it may well be true that there is something like a God someplace somewhere. Uh, but even if that is true, the idea of me knowing that God is as crazy as Hamlet knowing Shakespeare. And when I heard him say that, um, I thought, well, you know what? That's a really interesting insight. That's a really interesting idea. Um, and here's why. Uh, on the one hand, like the author of a novel and a character in the novel, um, they're on one hand, on, from one perspective, they're as close as they can possibly be with each other. Right? I mean, the, the author uh, uh, created the character. The character can't exist without the author. Uh, and very often the author of a novel or something like that feels deeply connected to the character uh, inside the author's story. So in one sense, they're very deeply connected. But in another way, uh, the author of a novel and the character within the novel, in another way, they're, they're separated by an almost, uh, well, really an insurmountable distance, chasm. Uh, uh, C.S. Lewis is right. Uh, Hamlet can never know Shakespeare. There's no chance of a real relationship happening between Hamlet and Shakespeare, between a character in a novel and an author. Now, um, this isn't a perfect illustration, but it gives a little bit of an idea, I think, into both the allure and the difficulty of Christmas Eve. Now, what in the world do I mean by that? Well, let me explain. And take a look at that last reading. Take a look at the reading uh, from the Gospel of John. It begins with these strange words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, that is a very strange way to begin a book, but um, those words would have sparked some very serious thinking within John's first readers. So in the Greek world, uh, there were a bunch of philosophies that talked about the word, or in Greek, logos. It's the same word that John uses uh, in those verses. Uh, and there were different ways of thinking about it, but for a lot of Greek thinkers, when they talked about the logos or the word, it was their way of describing uh, why it is that this world is as orderly as it is. So you know that one of the great mysteries of the world is quite simply summed up in this question, um, why does our world work so well? Uh, what is it that gives our world order? What is it that gives our world beauty? What is it that explains the scientific reliability of our world? And some Greek philosophers said, well, um, uh, it's because of the logos. It's because of the word. There's this uh, impersonal uh, reality that gives logic to everything that we see around us. And they called it the word, the logos. Now, that was the Greek tradition. In the Jewish tradition, there was a similar idea, but, but a bit different. In the Hebrew scriptures, what we call the Old Testament, Proverbs uh, talks about something called wisdom. But when Proverbs talks about wisdom, part of the time it's talking about the human virtue of being wise, but sometimes uh, Proverbs personifies wisdom. And Proverbs describes wisdom as if wisdom is a person and kind of God's junior partner that God works with to create everything. And in Proverbs, uh, especially chapter eight, when God and wisdom, God's junior partner, create everything together, they create out of, out of great love. 
Now, all this is rolling around the minds of John's first hearers and readers. But John takes these ideas and pushes them much, much further. Uh, John, in the opening words of his gospel, he says, um, listen, the logos, the word, is not just an impersonal force like some Greek thinkers thought. No, says John, the logos, the word, is a person. And God created all things through his word, through the logos. And that means that all of creation is animated by love. The love between God the Father and the logos, the word. But then there's more, says John. Um, The Logos is not just God's junior partner, like some in the Jewish tradition thought. Um, According to John, the Logos is God himself, distinct from God the Father, but in every way perfectly equal with him. Now, all that is mind-bending and really hard to grasp, but think of it a little bit like this. Imagine you're Hamlet, and you're inside Shakespeare's play. And imagine that somehow someone could enter into that play and whisper in your ear and say, Hamlet, I have something to tell you. Hamlet, you're in a story and you're in a story that has an author. Haven't you always wondered if maybe there's an author that's composed the story that you're in? And Hamlet, that author composed you out of the overflow of creative and artistic love. Now that's a little bit what John is telling us. John's telling us that there is an author and that that author is the word, the logos. And that this author, this word, this logos composed us and all the story that we're in out of his artistic and creative love. Now, that's a big claim. And I hope it's an alluring claim. Do you know what I mean by alluring? Um, By alluring, I mean that it's both provocative and it's attractive, both at the same time. It's attractive because, I mean, don't you you want to find yourself in a story animated by love? Um, That's a whole lot better than finding yourself trapped in a random game of mindless chance, right? But it's also provocative because it brings up the problem that C.S. Lewis identified. Um, Even if Hamlet figured out that Shakespeare existed, um, they're still separated by a limitless chasm. Characters, remember, can't know their authors. And if that's where we are, then then there's a real reality that we might be stuck. And a lot of us kind of remain there you know, the idea of maybe there is a God, but if, even if there is a God, we certainly can't know him. And so we kind of settle down in an agnosticism because maybe that's the best we can do. Well, later on in that same book, C.S. Lewis had another thought. Uh, sometime later, the idea came to him, well, hang on. Hamlet can't know Shakespeare. That path, the path from below is closed. But what if... What if Shakespeare wrote himself into the play? What if Shakespeare, the author, made himself one of the characters inside the play? The path from below is closed from a character to an author, but what about the path from above? Look at verse 14. John says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
Now, friends, that's the big audacious claim of Christianity, end of Christmas Eve. It's not just that Hamlet gets a little hint that someplace, somewhere out there, an author exists. And it's not even that Hamlet gets the detail that the author's name is Shakespeare or something like that. It's a whole lot more, according to John. Christianity claims that the limitless chasm has been bridged, that the God who is bigger than the universe has leveraged all of his magnificent power, not only to create everything, but perhaps even more impressively to become small enough to fit inside his creation, to become part of his creation, to write himself into the story. In fact, the big audacious claim of Christianity is that God used all of his magnificent power to become small enough to become a fetus and a baby and a child and a man. God, the word, wrote himself into our story with the express purpose so that we could know him. And yet still, there's more. Because on this night, on Christmas Eve, it's not just that God wrote himself into our story, but it's also that in a remarkable way, God wrote us into his story. What do I mean by that? Well, look at verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. You see, the word became flesh, not just to reveal himself as the author we've always suspected but never known. The word became flesh so that we could be adopted into God's family. Do you remember how I said that um, we live in a story animated by love? Um, that's the deep story that deep down we all hope that we're in. And it's certainly better than finding ourselves trapped in a random game of chance, right? But it's not just that we're in a story animated by love. It's also that the whole reason that God created through his word and the whole reason that God created us out of his artistic love is so that we could become not only his works of art, but also become his daughters and his sons. It's that God wanted, God wrote himself into our story so that he could write us into his story and into his own family. And one of the things that that means for us tonight is that all that is in you that loves to create and to see beauty and all that is in you that loves story and that wants to pour out your soul in composing and at the same time, all that is in you that longs to be loved and all that is in you that longs to be embraced by limitless and selfless kindness, all that is in you that longs for a true family, all of that was planted in you by God. And this is the night that the son of God became what we are, human, so that you and I can become what he is, the beloved child of God. And that is the difficulty and the allure of Christmas Eve. How can we know our author? Wouldn't it be great if we could? But it's also the promise of Christmas Eve that Jesus wrote himself into our story so that he could write us into his family. Jesus came to his own. But the text says that 
even though Jesus came to his own, not all of his own received him. Many rejected him. And yet to all who did receive him, he gave the right to become the children of God. And that is the offer that is set before us this evening. And that is the relationship. And that is the gift that is that will address the deepest longings of our soul. And so on this night, whether we find this night to be a night full of joy or a night where we are wrestling with pain and grief or whatever other experience you're in, this is a night to look at Jesus Christ and to meet your author yet again and to be uh, summoned into the family of God and into the intimacy of a father who loves you. That is the gift of this night. Amen. Hello, everyone. My name is Jim Saladin. I'm the rector here at Emmanuel Anglican Church. Uh, our church exists to see and describe and reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ for the flourishing of our city. And I hope this podcast encouraged you in that way towards Christ. If you're here in New York City, we'd love to see you. Please join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Generosity drives everything we do at Emmanuel. And if you'd like to contribute, please visit www.emmanuelanglicannyc.com slash give.